Welcome to The Business Extra. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, the National's Assistant Editor-in-Chief. Today, we're going to be talking about the outlook for the Middle East and Central Asia in terms of the rest of the year and going into 2023. In a moment, I'm going to talk to Jihad Azur from the IMF. Before I do that, if you like this show, please do subscribe. If you're on YouTube, ring that bell. Well, as I said, I'm happy to be joined by the IMF's Jihad Azur. Jihad, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Mustafa, for having me. So I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the regional economic outlook that you're putting out um, this week. Um, you're in the UAE. Uh, but let me set the scene with the sort of global picture that we're coming into, which is obviously energy prices are high. Uh, we have an energy crisis in, in, in Europe and elsewhere. Uh, the interest rate environment has, has become far more hawkish. Central banks are raising rates to tame inflation, which is obviously connected to the energy and commodity price rises. But also the, the predictions are the knock-on effect will be as we end 2000, uh, 2022, the, the forecast is that we will be entering a slowdown. And this is where, Jihad, you come in with, with your latest regional economic outlook. How, how does that fare given the wider context? Well, again, Mustafa, thank you for having me. You raised the important question. Um, the region is still faring uh, in terms of recovery well, despite the change in the global outlook. Three important factors globally affect the region. One is the increase in energy and commodity prices that mainly fueled inflation. And for the oil importing countries, this is an issue to address. The second is the capital flows uh, and the financial conditions. Uh, tighter financial conditions led to outflows and increase in interest rates. And three, uh, the level of uncertainty and the slowdown in demand will have an impact on the region. 2022 is a year where the region is still recovering well, with the level of growth uh, reaching 5%, 5.2% for oil exporters, 4.9% for the oil importers, uh, yet with the diversity between countries. Next year, um, we expect growth to slow down. Uh, there are three things that are important to watch this year. One is the level of inflation that keep growing. Um, and reach double digit uh, for the third year in the row for several countries. Two, the financial conditions. And three, I think what is going to be very important is the level of, um, or the nature of policies that the government will put in place in order to address the various shocks that the global economy is facing and two, to protect their population against uh, the social pressure. So you, you, you raised some, some key points there and, and you and I, we'd spoken a little under six months ago um, when we were looking ahead uh, to how the region might fare uh, in 2022. And one of the main things that we discussed was, was resilience. And so it seems as if what we discussed then has borne out well that the region has actually proved fairly resilient. Is, is, is that fair? Yes, but at a high cost. Um, one, we see vulnerabilities coming from the COVID era. Uh, the level of informality went up. The level of unemployment went up too. Third year in the row in terms of inflation, that mainly it's headline inflation driven by food and fuel. This uh, has an impact on the economic and social stability. Three, the high level of debt for several countries in the region who access finance internationally with the tightening of monetary policy, increasing rates, and the, and the reversal of capital flows, those are important issues. 
I think what is important today is A, to protect the economies from inflation, and this requires monetary policy to um, uh, control and reduce the level of inflation. Two, shift social protection to be more targeted and protect those who need uh, social transfers. Three, is preserve macroeconomic stability, especially in a context of uh, slowdown and high uncertainty. Four, accelerate transformation through structural reforms. Those are the four dimensions. Country by country specific reforms are needed, but broadly speaking, it's very important to look forward and make sure that we use wisely the time uh, that the countries in the region have. So you mentioned targeted uh, social support and reforms, and it seems in the last six months that governments have been acting on that, and particularly when it comes to Egypt, for example, that there had been there has been some some real progress on that front. So, did you expect that to, that to continue going forward? Well, yes, of course. Uh, um, as you know, we have reached staff level agreement with Egypt on a program. This program has four pillars. One of them is to preserve macroeconomic stability and the recent uh, measure taken by the central bank in terms of uh, adjusting the interest rate to control inflation. It's a step in the right direction. Protecting Egypt from external shocks, and there are many external shocks, and the flexibility in exchange rate will help in that. Three is to anchor fiscal in a sustainable uh, uh, and um, uh, and uh, preserve primary surplus. And with the objective of having a 2% primary surplus in the budget, this is also an important element. Protecting social uh, uh, cohesion by uh, strengthening the social programs is also an important part of the agenda of the Egyptian government. Last but not the least, uh, uh, Egyptian economy has huge potential. It needs to grow and structural reforms uh, and re- revisiting the role and the size of the state will help in this direction. I mean, we saw top line uh, growth this year for, for Middle East, North Africa is just over 5% uh, GDP expansion, which is pretty, pretty solid. Um, but it, it looks like that's going to de- decelerate uh, in 2023 as we go forward. Um, you know, what, what are the main things that are going to drag on, on, on growth as we go into next year? Is it just um, kind of the, the, the global picture or are there specific things related to, to countries here? We already start seeing a certain number of countries decelerating, I would say even the majority of countries. What will? Um, the global outlook. Um, globally, we see growth going down and revised regularly. We see interest rates going up and the financial conditions getting tighter and tighter. We see um, the food security as still an issue for most countries in the region. Not only the price of food, but also the price of fertilizers, which is an important component uh, of uh, agricultural activities. And also, uh, we see the need to control inflation, and controlling inflation would require certain number of measures that have side effects. And some of the side effect is the impact on growth. And I, I mean, maybe this is a, a silly question, but it seems like inflation, well, if it's a silly question, I shouldn't ask it, but let's say it's a good question. Um, if, we, if we say infla- inflation is persisting and inflation continues to be the main focus of, of, uh, of, of action, um, why does inflation persist 
if everyone understands this is what we need to do, is it is it a, f- a factor beyond the control of most policymakers? Look, I would say here there are two elements that are important to mention. One, there is a lag between the decisions and their impact. And this lag um, could be between six months, one year, depends on the transmission mechanisms. Uh, the second impact is the nature of inflation. This inflation is very much driven by food and commodity prices, and therefore it hurts socially. This is why it's very important to address it uh, in order to alleviate the pressure on the low-income people. Addressing it would require a certain number of tightening uh, in the monetary policy, which means increasing interest rates, making the financing conditions more challenging. And this will have an impact on growth. There is no solution without a cost. What is important is to have the right mix of policies and mitigate the cost of those policies on the group of uh, people who need state support. And if, if I touch upon um, Lebanon for the moment, um, obviously there's been you know, several key moments uh, for the country. Uh, we have the, the end of uh, the, the presidential term for Mishaoun, but also uh, last week we had the historic agreement on on the maritime border deal for um, uh, between Israel and Lebanon as well. But Lebanon itself economically needs to move forward. Um, we spoke six months ago and and we, we discussed all aspects of of, of what could happen. And um, what what's your take at the moment on on the outlook for Lebanon specifically? Six months ago, when we discussed, um, we uh, discussed uh, the fact that uh, staff level agreement between the fund and Lebanon has been reached. And that required certain number of measures to be introduced before enacting this program. Those are still important measures. Um, those measures will help address the financial, both state and financial sector issue. Uh, will also address the public finance sustainability uh, that is very much needed in order to uh, maintain uh, the level of public services. Three, restore confidence. Story confidence would require also to tackle corruption and governance issues and address the issue of inflation, especially uh, given the level of um, uh, uh, inflation that uh, Lebanon has reached. Therefore, all these measures are important. Certain number of uh, laws are still needed um, to move forward with the program. Uh, more importantly, I think uh, it's very important to put Lebanon back on track uh, and restore both economic confidence and restore the capacity for Lebanon um, to uh, address some of the acute problems that the Lebanese economy and society are facing currently. So lastly, let's, let's have a look at the Gulf economies because, again, if, if, I, if I talk about our previous conversation, we, we said that they had, as, as exporters of, of energy products, had a different position than, than perhaps other countries in the region. And they were looking good. And we talked about this historic era, a windfall that perhaps was, was not necessarily expected or planned for and how to use it effectively and responsibly. But what, what's your uh, view on, on the Gulf economies going forward, Jihad? Gulf economies benefited from uh, a positive uh, uh, term of trade shock. Uh, that uh, with the increase in oil and gas prices, it improved their economic outlook. But this is not the only thing that uh, they are benefiting from. They are benefiting from the result of the reforms that they were introduced in the last five years, 
that allowed them to diversify their economy as well as also to diversify their public finance. They're benefiting from the various measures they introduced during COVID in order to allow the economy to recover fast. Going forward, what is important is to maintain economic management anchored into a medium-term approach. On the fiscal, maintain the medium-term fiscal frameworks, keep accumulating additional buffers, and reduce the risk of pro-cyclicality. Economically, accelerate economic transformation through increased uh, participation of the private sector, accelerate some of the reforms like the labor market reforms, the doing business reforms that increase productivity, and three, be protected because the global headwinds are growing and um, uh, the sky, economic sky, is now filled with, uh, uh, with a gloomy prospect. Therefore, it's very important to protect their economies from uh, the headwinds that uh, we are currently facing. Jihad Azur of the IMF, thanks so much for being with us. We'll, we'll talk again, I'm sure, next year. Thank you for having me. Well, that's all we've got time for today. If you've uh, enjoyed this show, I hope you do stay with us and subscribe to the program. Uh, all that remains to thank our production team and you all for being with us. Join us again next time.